Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Second Peter chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 6. And we're going to read verses 6 through 9. When you have it, say amen. Amen. <laughs> it says... And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example or an example unto those that should that after should live ungodly. What's it saying there? It's saying the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is forever to remain an example to anyone that chooses to live ungodly. Now, that's pretty plain, right? Verse 7 says, and delivered just Lot. Okay, just Lot means he was just, delivered him. Vexed, the filth, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So here we have Lot. He's just, but he's vexed with, with where he lives, with what he hears, with what he deals with. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing. How many knows what you see and hear? Can affect you. What you hear, what you let yourself hear, what you let yourself see can affect you. Vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. In verse 9, what you notice says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Says he knows how. He knows how to do this. He knows the way it's supposed to happen. Amen. Let's read it one more time. The just knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Amen. And I want to talk to you for just a little while here tonight on this, this thought, the geography of temptation. The geography of temptation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your mercy, Lord, that you've shown me in my life. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would go with us, Lord, the remainder of this service, God. Let your anointing flow, Lord, down on your word, Lord. Let it go. Let it go out to a hearing ear, Lord, to an accepting soul, Lord, that something may happen, that they may be changed, that they may be, may be strengthened. And God, I pray that my humanity doesn't get in the way of your anointing, God. I pray that your anointing would flow forth from your word to the hearer, to just, I want to be a willing vessel, Lord. Don't let me interrupt the flow. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. Have a, have a seat, amen. How many knows what we do matters? Amen? There's a... In the early church, if you read much, many of the old the old writers in the early church, like the you know before the Council of Nicaea, like first second century, you you read a lot about what they were dealing with when we come to. You ever heard heard the word Gnosticism? Okay, there was this uh, cult, I guess it would be, or belief system or whatever that started to come against. It started to rise in the early church. Okay, called Gnosticism. What Gnosticism said? Well, what you do in the flesh is really not that important. Because as long as you know certain things, as long as you have certain amount of understanding in a certain area, that you're going to be okay, okay? 
And uh, out of this rose all the, the, the current stuff about grace and about how that, that uh, we don't have to worry about sin anymore. Like we can, you know, whatever we do is okay because Jesus has already been forget. He's already died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we don't ever have to ever, you know, I heard one preacher say, you don't have to ask for repentance ever because ever again, because if you've accepted Jesus, he's paid for everything. You know, whatever we do, we do. Okay. How many knows that that's a, a crock of you know what? It's a, it's garbage. Okay. It belongs in the trash can. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. It's, 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 it's sent to disturb. It's sent to distract. It's sent to take away from the truth. Amen. Somebody say amen. What we do in our bodies, what we do with our time, what we do in our flesh matters. Okay, we were speaking the other night in Acts class, and, and uh, I quoted this scripture, Proverbs 16.3. I love it. It says, commit thy works unto the Lord, and the, thy thoughts shall be established. Okay, what's that saying? Is that saying, saying, think right and you'll do right? No, it says, do right, and you'll think right. You hear what I said? The doing came first. Amen. It means that you, whatever you choose to do, whatever you put your hands to, whatever you're doing in this body, whether it's work, whether it's play, whether it's whatever you're doing, okay, commit it unto the Lord, and then your thoughts will be established. Somebody say amen. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 says, be not deceived. Okay, number one, don't believe the lie. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Okay, that means the last laugh is going to be his. Okay, the laugh, you know, in, in a figure of speech. I'm not saying he's going to be laughing while he's punishing the, the, the ungodly, but I'm saying he's not, he's going to have the last say. He is not mocked here. He's not fooled. Okay, he's not perplexed. He's not, you're not pulling the wool over, nobody's pulling the wool over his eyes. Okay, he is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Okay. What's that mean? That means what you plant, that's what's going to grow. What you plant in your life is what's going to grow in your life. What you plant in your home is what's going to grow in your home. What you plant in your family, what you plant in your prayer life or lack of, okay, is what's going to grow. Somebody say amen. It says, for he that soweth through his flesh, shall of his flesh reap corruption. Okay, but he that soweth through the spirit, shall of the spirit reap eternal life. What's that mean? That, you know, we talked about it the other night in Acts class. We got into a great discussion. Uh, uh, there was a, a lady, uh, she was there, and she asked a couple questions, and we got into it. And Brother Tripp made a good, he made a, a good reference on fasting. And he's saying, you know, your flesh wants what your flesh wants, right? And it's not necessarily to your good. Somebody say amen. So it, we, she, was, she was not understanding fasting as a spiritual, spiritual application. And he was saying, look, if you could take one part of your life that really, really is a big part of your life and put it aside for a little while and afflict your flesh a little bit, your spirit's going to be exalted a little bit. You're going to grow a little bit. You're going to get a little stronger. Somebody say amen. What's that mean? That means that pushing your plate away when you like to eat, is going to cause your flesh to be go down a little bit. You know, John the Baptist said, I must it decrease so that he can increase. Amen. How many knows that the best way to decrease us is to punish our flesh? What we want, what we, what we want to do, what, how we want to spend our time being entertained or eating to our fill or whatever it may be. There's something that we can give to God. Somebody say amen. 
So our choices matter, okay? Now, where you sit today in your life, where, where you sit right now is a result of choices made days ago, weeks ago, years ago, decades ago, okay? Where we sit right now, we don't sit here by accident. This is the path that you have chosen over the course of your life led you to this point, okay? Now, our chosen paths, you know, uh, you know, there's some things that we choose that put us in danger, okay? If you choose to drive 100 miles an hour, you're putting your life in danger of your own choice. Somebody say amen, okay? Not to mention probably somebody else's, amen? If you choose a job that's dangerous, okay? How many knows you're trading that money for a chance that you might die? When I was first learning, when I first got out on my own, I was working, I got a job in construction, and uh, you started off as a laborer, you know, just the, you know, the guy, that the gopher or whatever, just learning, trying to learn something, you know. And the guys are yelling at you, go get this, go get that, you know. But you start to learn a little bit, and you start to, start to aspire to do something else, right? Well, I wanted to be a welder, you know. Welding takes a long time to kind of master it, so I would play with it and get it every chance I got. But in the meantime, I wanted to make a little extra money. I mean, it knows that the, the less you know how to do, the less you get paid, Right? When you get a few skills, you become valuable, so therefore you're worth a little more money. Somebody say amen. So I wanted to make a little more money. Well, the foreman said, well, we could use an iron worker. Anybody know what an iron worker is? You're the guy that's going to climb up on the steel, and you're going to connect up the beams that we're going to fly up to you on the crane. And uh, you think you want that money until you get up there. Right? Because all of a sudden you understand that your life is in your own hands. Okay? And you have safety equipment. There's safety procedures in place. There's things that you can do to make yourself safe. How many knows that I'm trading my life or a chance of ending my life for a little more money? Somebody say amen. So situations in which we find ourselves are not accidents. Okay? Now I learned a lot from that. Right? And I took that with me when I left. And God, by God's grace, I didn't fall. Amen. I saw some people fall. Okay, so I know it's a real thing. It happens, right? But we understand that the folks we meet, your spouse, okay, if we went around a room, we all told how we met our wife or whatever, you know, we would understand that it was a mat, it was a it was probably a series of events that put your paths in place. Somebody say amen. So where we find ourselves is very often a product of what we've allowed ourselves to see. What we've allowed ourselves to do, where we've allowed ourselves to go, okay? I mean, you wouldn't have met your spouse if you hadn't been in that place where she, where they were, she or he were, was, right? So where you allowed yourself to go, what you think or what you say. And a cascade of possibilities, that was your life. I mean, remember when you were little and you dreamed about being fireman or a uh, ball player or whatever, and there's just... There's no end to what you could do, what you could be, okay? But through the process of time and the choices we made, this whole cascade of possibilities came down to what you are right now, good or bad. Somebody say amen. So in Genesis, we read about Lot right here, right? Okay. Um, Second Peter, he was, he was referencing Lot. He was referencing what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm not going to go back and read all that because it's like 
several chapters, and we don't want, you know, want to take the time. So I pulled out a few, a few footnotes. How many like footnotes? Yeah, yeah, like footnotes. Remember when you got assigned the big book in school to read, and you go to find the cliff notes? Remember cliff notes? And you go and buy the little book, and you can flip through it and get all the themes and all the symbolism and all that. Somebody did all the work for you, right? And then you get an F on your paper, and they say, you know, I know that you got the cliff. Right, okay. We're going to do a little bit of cliff notes. So Genesis 12, we meet Lot. Lot is the nephew of Abraham. He came with Abraham out of Ur, okay? He, he was with him when he was in Egypt. They, in uh, Genesis 13, they come out. Abraham has become rich. Okay, he's got lots of gold, he's got lots of stuff, he's got lots of cattle, lots of sheep, okay? And by, uh, by association, God has blessed Lot, and Lot has a lot of stuff. So in Genesis 13, they choose to separate. Now, Abraham says, okay, we can't, you know, the, the herdsmen start fighting each other, not getting along, you know. And he says, Abraham says, okay, Lot, you pick where you want to go, and then I'll go the other way. Okay, we're still, we're still family. We just can't live as close as we used to anymore, okay? So Lot looks up, and what he chooses is the plain of Jordan. He sees all the water. He sees all the greenery. He, he sees all that open space. He says, I'm going to go down there. And it says that he pitched his tent. Now, he could have pitched his tent anywhere, right? All that big open area. But he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Okay, it says that. Now, Abraham, on the other hand, he makes a choice to go back to the promised land, right? They come through the promised land. Uh, God, he, I'm sure Lot knew that God had promised him all that land. All that land was going to be his and his posterity, right? But he, he said, you know, it, he, I'm going back where I know that God is. I'm going back where God has given me that land, okay? You see the difference there, right? So whenever you do, uh, what Lot did here was pretty much for financial gain. For what he wanted. And you're going to find out later if you keep reading through those chapters that Lot likes cities. Okay? He, 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 he likes cities. Genesis 14, Abraham rescues Lot. There's five kings that come down out of uh, the north, start conquering everybody, and they capture Lot. Take all the stuff, make him a hostage, take him away. Somebody comes and tells Abraham. Abraham rounds up 300 of his best men, uh, takes them up, defeats these kings with 300 men, Comes back down and brings Lot back home. Okay? Somebody say amen. All right. Right then, you know, we there's a, on a side note, you meet Melchizedek in that chapter. And if you don't know anything about Melchizedek, you need to do some studying because it's great. It's a great, great study. Reference that with Hebrews. If you don't know who he is, you don't, you've never read Hebrews either, right? Somebody say amen. <laughs> but he comes back down. He takes 318 men, uh, rescues Lot. Brings him down. Now, would this, you think this would be a red flag for Lot, right? Man, I maybe I don't want to live in the city. I mean, cities get attacked, right? I mean, here I am, you know. I'm, I'm being cool. Went down to Starbucks and got some coffee one morning, you know. I was kicking around, reading the morning paper and, you know, shooting the breeze with my buddies. And all of a sudden, we're under attack. This never happened to me when I had my tent out on, in the plane, right? Only in the city, all right? So you think I'd be a red flag? No, Lot stays right there. Okay, how many knows that sometimes God sends some red flags into our lives? Amen. Says that maybe this decision that you just thought of, you thought you were making, is not a good idea. And there's still time, you know. There's still time to save what you are. There's still time to save what you have. There's still time to do the right thing. Amen. How many knows there's sometimes those those warnings come and we don't want to listen to them? Amen. Well, I didn't want to listen to that. He wasn't hearing that, right? 
He said, I like Starbucks coffee. Okay, I like having McDonald's down the street. I don't live out in the country anymore. I've lived out in the country my whole life. I've got a little something now. You know, I've got people out there doing work. I'm going to live the good life. I'm going to go to the museum, you know, uh, at night, maybe go to a concert. You know, we have the, the, the Sodom State Fair. You know, I get to go to, ride some, you know, take the kids to, ride some, you know. There's things that you do, he wanted to do in the city, right, that you can't do anywhere else. He wanted to stay in the city. Now, Genesis 18, and we're going to skip over a couple because there's just about, mainly about Abraham. But we see Lot again in Genesis 18, okay? Now, in this, I want you to really notice that the Lord visits Abraham here, okay? The Bible says that the Lord himself appeared to Abraham on the plains of Mamre. Okay, now Abraham sitting said he's sitting in his tent in the heat of the day, and th he sees three men walking up, and one of them was the Lord. Okay, he runs out, bows down, he knows exactly who they are immediately. Okay, he goes out, he tells them, he said, you know, come in, I want you to eat, I want you to eat with me, and all that. And then, in the conversation, the Lord tells him, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why I'm here. Okay. Abraham immediately starts to try to intercede. Okay, he doesn't, the only person he knows in Sodom is Lot. And does he even know that he's living there? I don't know. Okay, well, I guess he does because he rescued him and took him back there, didn't he? So we got to understand that immediately before anything, Abraham starts interceding for, for, for Sodom. Now, if you'll notice here also, you remember in Jonah where uh, when God wanted to save Nineveh, okay, he sent a preacher. He wanted to send Jonah to Nineveh. To preach because there's and, and the Bible says that when he came there, okay, they received the word, okay, and the whole kingdom, the whole city from, from the king on down to the animals. He said they put them all in sackcloth and ashes and repented, okay. So there was none of that for Sodom, okay. God had already determined that Sodom was a done deal, it was already a done deal, it was ready to go. Stay with me because we're going somewhere, okay. Chapter 19. Next time we see Lot, he's sitting in the gate now. Now he's a community leader. This is where the courts happened. This is where the town council met. This is where all the decisions were made at the city gate. It says that Lot was sitting in the gate. Okay, so he comes back from being a hostage, okay, and his, his uncle was the big hero, right? Rescued them all, so he's a big deal in Sodom. How many like being a big deal? You like that idea? Do you? Do you? Anybody like feeling like you're a big deal, you know, you know, all that and a bag of chips or whatever they say, you know, uh, whatever the word is, you know, there is something about feeling like a big deal, right? You know, you get a little bit of adoration from folks. You get a little bit of adulation. All right. You might start to think, well, I'm doing all right here. Right. Well, Lot's sitting there and Lot recognizes. Now I want you to notice here. Now there were three men. One of them was the Lord that appeared to Abraham in Mamre. There's only two men that show up in Sodom to try to get Lot out. And the Lord's not one of them. Okay? So what's that tell you? It tells you that from the choices that you make, you may or may not have the presence of God in your life. Okay? The choices you make brings you closer or farther away from the presence of God. Things that you think brings you closer, things that you let your mind dwell on brings you closer or push you, brings you, pushes you farther away from the presence of God, okay? Things that you do, places you go, people you associate with, amen? 
pushes you close, brings you closer to the Lord or brings you further away from his presence. Right now we see Lot completely. His Bible says that he was righteous when he went, but right now he is completely without the presence of God. Okay. These angels walk up. We all know the story. Okay. Now, remember when Abraham heard the news about Sodom, he starts trying to intercede. He says, God, if there's 50, don't, there's 50 righteous people. You wouldn't destroy that city for 50 righteous people, would you? He said, no, I wouldn't for 50. And then Abraham said, hmm, that's a lot of people. How about 45? How about 40? How about 35? He gets all the way down to 10, and God says, you know what? For 10 righteous people, I won't destroy it. So he's interceding, right? How does Lot try to intercede? He sees the guys walking up. The guys say, hey, welcome to our city. You know, he bows down before him. He recognizes. He says, come to my house right now. Come on. So it was almost evening. And Lot knew what happened in Sodom, right? It wasn't like he wasn't aware of what was going on around him. The Bible says he was, he was vexed day and night with every day by the words and the deeds of what was going on in that city. There's no way he didn't know. He knew these men were in danger. And he said, you're coming to my house, right? So they said, nah, we're just going to hang out in the street all night. And then in the morning, we're going to head out. He's like, oh, no, that's not a good idea, okay? I've been, you know, this, is, this turns into a different place at nighttime. You know, you don't want to be out here. You want to be, come, come with me. So the, finally they agree, okay? Now, when the, all the people show up at his house, all the men show up at his house, everybody, if you don't know the story, Go back and get this and read it, and then let, go back and listen to this message again. But they show up at his house, and Lot tries to intercede. Okay, right now, Lot's going to intercede. Now, how does Lot intercede? Okay, he, he doesn't intercede by saying, you know, talking about anything righteous. He tries to placate the evil. He tries to make some way, he tries to use his mind, some way, his diplomacy, some way to try to make peace between these people, what they aim to do to these men and these men, right? And he even goes as far as to offer his own daughters. Now, you think God told him to offer his own daughters? How many knows that sometimes when we're out of the presence of God, we're out of the will of God, we start to think in ways that really doesn't make sense when it comes to God? We start to think, we start to put in place plans of action to avoid paying the penalty for our sin or avoid paying the penalty. Because he knew they were the only reason why they were there was for him, right? He tried to avoid paying it. He tried to, to, to put in place something. And sometimes it's not even lawful, okay? He wanted to give his daughters to these mob. Now, what kind of guy does that? Right? We're talking about a guy who's supposed to be righteous, a guy that's supposed to know the law of the Lord, right? How many knows that sometimes when we put ourselves in these places and we start thinking uh, things that we shouldn't be thinking, we start, we, start try, we start trying to put plans into action to avoid this or to avoid that, you know? Sometimes we start to think that, that, that God's going to bless what we're doing just because we're who we are and we say we love him, okay? Even though we're going, doing everything in our life that's contrary to his word, Amen. How many knows that he cannot bless something that's contrary to his word? And if you're not going to walk in obedience, he can't do anything with you. Okay? He, he wants to. The Bible doesn't say anything about him not wanting to. But he, can't, he cannot bless disobedience. Somebody say amen. So I want to read a little bit from that. Verse, tw verse 12. I want to read uh, chapter 19, verse 12. I'll just, I'll just read it. And I want you to understand it, what's going on here. It says, And the men said unto Lot, Hast there any besides? And he said, A son-in-law, thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. Okay? 
And listen to this. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. The Bible says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law. So he had some daughters that were married to sons or to men, and they were his sons-in-laws, which married his daughter and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Okay? So now we see him trying to go to people who he's been living around near and indulging in whatever that goes on in Sodom. And all of a sudden he's saying, oh, we got to get out of here. It's bad now. It wasn't bad last week, but it's bad now. Right? And his sons-in-law say, oh, oh, Lot, he's such a kidder. You know, he's always trying to make us laugh, pulling our chain. You know, we don't really, they didn't want to hear him. Right? And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot. Okay? Saying, arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, okay, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. Wow. <laughs> and I almost called this, this message lingering in Sodom because verse 16 says, and while he lingered. He didn't jump up, grab his wife and his kids and run out of there. He lingered. Wasn't sure he quite wanted to leave. Maybe he didn't quite believe what was going to happen, right? It says, and while he lingered, the men laid hand, hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hands of his two daughters and the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass that when they had brought him forth abroad, that he said, that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all thy plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said, oh, no, not so, my Lord. He still doesn't want to obey. He says, look, you don't even want to be in this plane. Okay, we're destroying all these cities in this plane. You don't even want to be in the plane. Go to the mountains. Oh, no. Oh, come on now. And he says, behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. Okay, I'm okay, right? Okay, you got me out of there, okay? And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which I have showed unto me in saving my life. I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me. He says, I'm afraid to go to the mountain. And I die. He says, behold, now this city is near to flee to, and it's a little one. <laughs> he's, like, he's just coming out of one of these evil cities, and he says, well, there's a little one over here. Okay, can I go to that little city? You can destroy the big ones. They're evil, okay? But I'm going to go to this little one, okay? He still is trying to do his own thing. In the face of total destruction, he's lost his daughters that were married, Right? His sons-in-laws, he might have had grandkids, all gone. And he still can't bring himself to listen to the word of the Lord. Now, I don't know if that rings true in your life, okay? But that hit me hard because I lost a lot of stuff in my life before I would listen to the word of the Lord. I had to suffer some major things before I would listen to the word of the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, if you're in a place where you're being a hard-hearted Toward what you're hearing uh, coming from the Lord, okay? If you're being hard-hearted or stubborn about not wanting to go, pastor preached on Sunday, you go when the Lord says go. Amen? If you're not wanting to go where you're supposed to go, okay, I'm going to pray for you because you're in a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place. Somebody say amen. Let's read on. It says, but now, now the city, is, it's, uh, it says, behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. And uh, is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. 
And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also. He said, Since I saved you, go ahead, go to that city. I won't overthrow that city, for thou hast spoken. And he said, Hasten thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor, and the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered under Zor. Now, you start to understand here, if you read on, God reigned. He said the Lord reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, destroying it. But when you come down to the end of this chapter, Lot still, he didn't, he, now he didn't want to go to Zor. He went to Zor, and he was scared in Zor, so he went to the mountain where he was told to go. You want to talk about a double-minded guy, right? Somebody that can't decide, you know, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in well, how many ways? In all of his ways. And if you look up that word, that double-minded, it means double-souled. You ever seen somebody that was a, a walking contradiction? You ever seen somebody that was a walking contradiction? Either either in the fact that uh, they didn't they, they wouldn't practice what they preached, okay? Or in the fact that one day you'd see them saying one thing and another day you'd see them saying something else, okay? I've known people in my life, and when they get a little bit older and get into into some dimension stuff, they start, you know, well, we talked about it the other day, and it, it was this, and then we talk about it the next day, and it's that, you know. It's almost like this guy, this guy could not decide who he was. How many, how many went through that, right? You didn't want to give in, right? Come on, somebody say amen. I know I'm not the only one that ever was double-souled. Somebody said, even when I came back, there was a lot of things I had to put aside. Even when I came back to the Lord, I had to keep coming back and back and back to the altar over and over and over, trying to get things in my life just right, right? Amen. How many knows it's never going to be just right? You're never going to be perfect. But I had to keep coming back because I kept making the same mistakes. I kept thinking the same thoughts. I kept doing the same things. I kept getting into the same way of thinking. Amen. Kept making the same mistakes. And sometimes that that's, it doesn't come out easy. Okay, sometimes you got to be really intentional about who you're trying to be in the Lord. Amen. And when those when those things come to your mind that are contrary to what you know, you need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You need to find a place in prayer. Okay, you need to get things right in your head. If you have to do it every day, if you have to do it three times a day, if you have to do it five times a day, if you have to do it all day, every day, you need to get things right and settled in your mind. Somebody say amen. Double minded doesn't do anything. One day you decide you're going to build a garage, and the next you go out and start it and buy the lumber, and the next day you decide you're not to, and the, and the lumber lays there for months, right? You ever know anybody like that? Gung-ho, I'm going to do this on my property, and they go out there. You know, I, I had a family member one time, and you go to his place, and he had 10 projects started, and none of them finished, and the stuff laying there rotting because, you know, he's double-minded about it. But then you get to the saddest part of the story. He's lost everything. Okay? This rich guy, he was rich. He had a, had a godly uncle that was looking after him. He was rich. He knew the Lord. Okay? He got to the city. He became a big man. He was sitting in the gate, man. He was a councilman or whatever. You know? He was on the town council. He was a side in cases. He was a, he was a big man. Now he has nothing. His family's been shattered. His wife didn't make it out with him. How many knows the Bible says she turned back? She turned to look back with longing. And the Bible says she turned into salt, like right there. So he gets out with his two daughters. But is he really, is he saved? Is Lot saved? 
Is he still righteous? That's not for me to decide. Like, will we see Lot in someday in heaven? I don't know. I hope so. But it doesn't look that way. He goes to the mountain. Okay? Now, what transpires next is, uh, you know, um, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for little ears. It's not for you don't hear this story taught in Sunday school when you're a little kid. Okay? The daughters are worried that the whole world is destroyed. There's going to be no men to give them some children. So they get their father drunk, and they go in and one at a time and, you know, lie with him to try to get pregnant by their dad. Now, that kind of perverseness didn't come from God. That kind of thinking never came from the Lord. So all of a sudden, we see that not only were they in Sodom and Gomorrah, but now Sodom and Gomorrah is in them. Okay, the iniquity that was supposed to be destroyed right down there in that valley was now still alive and well in Lot's own family. Okay, do, you understand, do we understand that sometimes we don't put things to death in our life, things that need to go bye-bye. If we don't put it to death, it's going to live in our family. Amen, you're going to see things in your children that you never taught them. Amen, because that's, that kind of stuff just follows. How many has ever heard of a generational curse? And how things are visited to the fourth and fifth. Bible says to the fourth and fifth generation. And then, see, every, see the thing is, it's, it's perpetual. You say, well, it's fourth and fifth generation. But if, if, I, if I do something my dad did, it goes five generations from me. And if my son does something that I did, it's five generations from him. And then if his son does something that I did, it's five generations from him. So we got to understand that this, if nobody breaks the cycle, if nobody decides to be obedient, Okay, this stuff lives on and on and on in us. We pass it down. Somebody say amen. So we see this awful, awful thing take place, and out of this is born who? Moab. Remember the Moabites? And Ammon. Remember the Ammonites? A thorn in Israel's side, both thorns in Israel's side for their whole existence. Okay, the Moabites, as a matter of fact, they're the king of the Moabites, Balak, he's the one that hires Balaam. To go and curse them, remember? So we're talking about something that came from Abraham, okay? Lot and his family, okay? And, and Balaam couldn't curse them, of course, so, but he taught Balak how to send the ladies out there, you know, and entice the men to come and sin with them. He says, I can't curse them, but if you do this, they'll curse themselves, okay? So understand, this stuff is, this stuff is, the devil comes not but for to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. There's nothing that he's going to lead you to. There's nothing that walking away from the, the presence of the Lord is going to lead you to but destruction and death. And the sooner we realize that, the better. Amen? Hallelujah. Out of that, we get some of the worst idol worship. Moabites and Ammonites. They were both human sacrificers to idols. We get some of the most deviant things that happen. But remember, Lot was righteous once. Lot was a believer. Lot knew right from wrong. He knew good from bad. Amen? But he chose to be where he was, and he chose to let his righteous soul 
be vexed daily by the words and deeds. And then later, when he had a chance, remember? The kings came and conquered, and he was taken hostage, you know? He had a chance. He was still unable to make the good choice. Sad. If we look back, Abraham did more to intercede for Sodom outside, hundreds of miles away. Amen? And Lot did living in it. A lot of, a lot of Christians think, well, I got to be in it to witness, you know. I don't, I go here or go, I know this church doesn't teach truth, but I go there because I have friends there and I, I try to witness. How many knows that that's, you're not going to, you can't win it from the inside. How many knows it's not by might nor by power, okay? It's by his spirit, right? So we look at backsliding now. How many's ever known a backslider? Come on now. Somebody better start being honest. How many's ever known a backslider? How many's ever been a backslider? So we look at Lot, we see this familiar person, right? We see this person that even though he loved the, God, loved the Lord, he was a believer, he still had this pull on him from the world. He still had this one part one part of his life that he couldn't quite get out of the world, right? And how, how many's ever hold the, heard the old adage that, you know, if you go lay down with the pigs in the pig pen, you're going to get money, right? If you lay down with the dog, you're going to get fleas. You might wake up with fleas, whatever, however, whatever euphemism you want to put in there, right? But you understand the concept, Okay. They have this pull on their, on their life from the world. How many's ever known somebody that couldn't quite get right? And they talked about getting right. You really believed they were sincere. They wanted to get right. Amen. They knew the truth. Okay. But they couldn't quite pull their, they couldn't quite pull everything out. They couldn't quite avoid that pull. And sometimes it's so strong. I've been there, man. And it constantly threatens every day, threatens your walk. Every day of your life you live, it's threatening your walk. It's pulling you. You feel it pulling. You go to kneel down for your prayer time, and you can feel it pulling, okay? Oh, maybe I can't pray now, okay? Maybe I'll come back later. I mean, I'm having a hard time right now. And then you, everybody's been there, right? You ever have something like that that just hindered everything that you were trying to do? But Lot never planned to backslide. He never said, you know what, I'm going to move to Sodom and forsake God. I think I'm going to do that. He never said that. He said, you know what, I know Sodom's evil, or at least he did as soon as he got there. Okay? Right? Somebody say amen. A lot of times we, you know, we like, oh, I didn't see that. You know. Ah, la, 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 la. Right? Don't tell me. Ah, la, la, I don't want to know. Okay? Lot knew what was going on there, right? But he never planned a backslide. He thought, you know what? I can live for God right here. I can do it. I'm strong. I'm a Christian, right? I got my Bible. I got my family. I can do it right here. Oh, I may have, maybe in the meantime, you know, I got my servants out there herding my cattle. I'll make a mission here. I'll build a church and, you know, did that happen? I mean, so many people in American church today, 
They claim to believe the truth, but allow ungodly doctrines to become part of their belief system. And they take root in your soul. Uh, think they can mix things down, you know, and be okay. Amen. How many of you can't do that? Y'all have to have contact with the world every day. If you work a job, you're in contact with the world. Amen. If you're if you go out and do anything, you pretty much you know. You, Paul said, "I would with, that you not have um, all." Uh, what he say? Uh, uh, can't can't remember the exact wording, but he's what he's saying was, you can't completely um, stay away from fornicators and idolaters because then you'd have to go out of the world, right? He says, "But if you call one a brother." It's a fornicator and idolater. You don't eat with them. Harsh. Second Corinthians chapter six. Let's read a few scriptures here. Y'all are quiet tonight. Second Corinthians six, fourteen. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? It's easy for you to say. Or what part hath he believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Oh, what's better than that? Amen. What's better than that? To have him call me son. Me, who was what I was. What's better than that? Okay. What, what on earth? What on earth would I trade that for? A little bit of adulation, a little more money? What? Come on. How, there's been many, millions of people who have moved to play someplace else against the will of God to take a job or whatever and lost their family. Many, it's happened many, many times. Okay? There's been people that make you make a decision, you think it's going to be to the betterment of me, and then you lose everything. How many of you, if it's not further in your walk with the Lord, you need to take a step back from it not towards it. And you need to be start being aware. If you if you need godly counsel in your life, get some godly counsel in your life. But you need to understand that where you choose to put yourself, it matters. Where you choose to spend your time, it matters. What you choose to entertain yourself with, it matters. What you choose to let go out of your mouth, it matters. What you choose to put in your mouth, it matters. What you choose to do with your life matters. What becomes so clear, and you can stand with me if you will. Come to the music if you want to. I know this is not a hallelujah, rah-rah message, but you got to understand, this is not a game. We're not here to play around. Okay, for me, it's life and death, literally. Okay, life and death, not a game. What becomes so clear is this. 
the most important thing in your life is where you position yourself spiritually. I don't care how much money you have or don't have. I don't care how healthy you are or how unhealthy you are. I don't care where you live or or what kind of curveballs have been thrown at you in your life. The most important thing you can do today is, is think about and concentrate on where you position yourself spiritually. And I'm talking about being near believers. I'm talking about having a healthy prayer life. I'm talking about having a healthy life studying the word. I'm talking about praying for revelation from the Lord. I'm talking about doing whatever you can to to incre- to improve your position spiritually. Somebody say amen. And where you position yourself spiritually, and I felt this so strong today when I was studying this, where you position yourself spiritually will determine where you allow yourself to go or be physically. In thought, in deed, in exposure to things, okay? Let me say that again. Where you position yourself spiritually will determine where you allow yourself to go physically. And then where you find yourself physically, it's like a cycle. Because where you find yourself physically, whether in a good place or bad place, is going to affect where you're positioned spiritually. Does that make sense? So I'm thinking about today. Where am I spiritually? Okay? Because I know that tomorrow, where I'm where today, where I am spiritually today is going to affect where I allow myself to be physically tomorrow. And then where I allow myself to be physically tomorrow is going to affect where I'm spiritually the next day. And then the next day where I'm spiritual that day, if I don't fix whatever's wrong or if I don't right the ship, next day I'm going to be a worse place physically. Somebody, Anybody hear what I'm saying? If you got to spend all your time with the Lord repenting, you got something wrong. You're not living the fullest life that God has for you. Okay? There's some things that you need to change. And I'm not saying that I've been in a place where I've seemed like I'm making the same mistake over and over and over. And I would do it and I would repent. And I cry out to God, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then a little while later, I do it again. And I go back, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. We got to break out of that. Okay? At some point, we got to, you know, it's by his strength, by his power. Okay? But there are things that we can do that improve where we are spiritually. There's things that we can push away from. There's things that we cannot let into our lives. There's things that we cannot look at. There's things that we cannot smell, taste, touch. There's people that we cannot talk to. Okay, there's people that we cannot see. There's people, there's there's relationships that we can kind of put on the back burner. Somebody say amen. Because what's important today, right now, is where you are spiritually. Because that's going to determine tomorrow what you allow in your life. Lot was not in a good place spiritually when he allowed himself to choose what he chose. And day after day, his righteous soul was vexed. Killed a little bit. You ever heard that expression, to die a little each day? You know, literally, he was dying a little each day. Just a little white lie, right? But you die a little He was dying a little each day. And then he came to the point where he couldn't save himself. And 
his family was lost. If he had turned around and dropped to his knees and repented, I'm not sure what would happen to his daughters. You know, they might still have that in them. You see what I'm saying? Where he allowed himself to go affected his whole life. So is there geography to temptation? Absolutely. An alcoholic shouldn't hang out in the bar. <laughs> okay. Um, a porn addict should not hang out on the computer by himself. Come on. A gambling addict shouldn't be anywhere near a casino. It's just common sense. Right? It, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking to me to know so many folks that are just half in, half out. They can't decide who they are. They can't decide to be what they can be in the Lord. They just can't quite break out of that rut, that place where they are. They can't quite do it. It's heartbreaking to me if you know anyone like that. If you're one of those people, you ain't run to this altar, okay, today, right now. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you what 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 you did last week. Today is what matters. Because today is all we have. Today, the yesterday is over and gone. Today matters because tomorrow is on its way. Tomorrow is going to be here. Those choices, those things that are presented to you are going to be here in just a matter of hours. And what, where you are right now is going to determine where you allow yourself to go then. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Somebody. Hallelujah. Praise your Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.